What's up, Pittsburgh Steelers fans? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I am your host, Jeff Hartman, here on your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you all for taking the time. Happy Monday. I hope you all enjoyed those games. I'm going to be completely honest with you here. I'm recording this before the AFC and NFC Championship games. Why? I wanted to be able to sit down and just watch the games. I wanted to be able to relax. I wanted to be able to just watch and and kind of just take it all in. I want to see how far off the Steelers are from maybe competing in one of these things based on the eye test. And so I'm recording this before these games have ended. I'll talk more about them on Wednesday. Nonetheless, it is Monday. We have a Monday morning conversation. I'm really excited for this one. Uh, Before we get to that, I do have some news to cover. The Steelers reportedly are interviewing Arthur Smith for the offensive coordinator. I don't know if that's happening today, Monday, or if it happened on Sunday. This was from Tom Palacero of the NFL Network. You might know Arthur Smith's name, former Atlanta Falcons head coach and was with the Tennessee Titans prior to that. Uh, The Steelers are out on Zach Robinson. He's been hired as the offensive coordinator with uh, the Atlanta Falcons and Raheem Morris, who now is hired as the head coach there. So the Steelers missed out on that boat, didn't even get to interview the guy before he signs on there. Uh, It's just really interesting. Also, got to throw this in with the Ravens getting ready to play here on the AFC Championship game. How about the Steelers? claiming a linebacker that was released by the Ravens ahead of the AFC championship game. Let me paint this picture for you. So the Baltimore Ravens, they want to activate Mark, Mark Andrews off injured reserve. You have to create a roster spot for that to happen. So what do they do? They release a linebacker. So they release a linebacker who didn't really play much for them. He ended up just playing sparingly, but they, the guy's name is Jeremiah moon. Now, Jeremiah Moon didn't, like I said, play a lot. He was on the practice squad. He had already been activated and then put reverted back to the practice squad earlier in the year when he cleared waivers. So the, the Ravens in the playoffs, they release him. but they, they cut him. But he's got to clear waivers to go back to their practice squad. When he's on waivers, the Steelers say, we'll take him. Yeah, so that means that once the season's over, he's a member of the Steelers. He's not a member of the Ravens anymore. They poached him. They poached him all those times that Steeler fans say like, oh, they can't cut this guy because he's going to get poached by so-and-so. Steelers did that to the Ravens. I'm sure that probably sticks in their craw a little bit, but nonetheless, that's the news. So let's talk about the Monday morning conversation today. That is with one Tim Benz of Triv Live. I'm really excited to have Tim. He's actually a colleague here at Fans First Sports Network on the program. Love talking with him. We have a really great conversation come up for you here. I've talked enough. Let's get Tim Benz on here. We'll hear from Tim Benz of Triv Live right after this break. Stay tuned. What's up, Steeler fans, and welcome back to another Monday morning conversation. These are tough in the offseason, but I do enjoy having guests on the show, and today I have a very esteemed guest, <laughs> Tim Benz, uh, guess a colleague at Fans First Sports Network. So, Tim, welcome back to the show you were on last year. I appreciate you coming back on again. For sure. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate being called esteemed. It's a lot nicer <laughs> than what most people call me, my emails and my 
X feed. <laughs> I bet I, I can only imagine. I do probably think you probably, you might appreciate this. Cause I listen to your podcast, whether it's about the pirates, penguins, or the Steelers, you're the ones always asking the questions. Now you get to answer the question. So <laughs> this will be a lot of fun, but before we do that, I want to give you a chance to plug your podcast, uh, what you're, what you're doing, what you've got coming up, maybe anything new and exciting. Go ahead and do that now. Yeah. Breakfast with Ben's at Trib live. Uh, I've got my own page at the Trib live website. And you can download our podcast, which are at the Fans First Network. I generally put up six, seven, eight podcasts per week. Uh, we've got everything from fantasy sports, uh, some high school sports, and of course, weekly conversations about the Penguins and the Steelers with some of my Trib Live colleagues and various guests that we have from around the country that come on with us all the time. So we like to keep that feed pretty well populated. Uh, even if it's in the offseason for the Steelers, we always do draft coverage with my colleague, Matt Williamson, from uh, the Steelers Radio Network, as well as Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, he's great come draft time. Always look forward to those. Those are coming up in April. And, uh, of course, as Penguin season kicks into high gear here with more and more eyes on the pens now that the Steelers are done, uh, we've got three or four Penguins podcasts that pop up per week. So if people are into the pens, uh, that's going to be your place for it as well. If you're a Pittsburgh sports fan like I am, you love Tim's feed because he covers all the major Pittsburgh sports teams, so make sure you check that out. Now, Tim, you were on the show. This was prior to the regular season, I believe, in 2023, and we talked a lot about response, the Steelers' response to adversity, and you said I was real, you were really upset that the Steelers never had that adversity. We talked about 2022's finish, seven of nine, four in a row, the pristine preseason, as I call it, where the offense went out and just looked phenomenal and they had no hiccups whatsoever. We got to see that adversity. We got to see it in a big way, in a lot of ways, with both Kenny Pickett and the way that the team is going to orchestrate things with the offensive coordinator being fired. Let me go back and ask you that same question. What did you think of the response of the Steelers when they finally faced adversity? Let's start with Pickett first, and then we'll leak our way down to the other avenues. Well, I thought they ended up where I expected them to be. You know, yeah. I predicted that they would be 10 and 7. I predicted that they would get to the first round of the playoffs as the 6 or 7 seed and I predicted that they would lose in the first round of the playoffs. So, they ended up being exactly what I thought they would be when they got to training camp, when they got out of training camp. You know, I saw that preseason. I, I bumped my prediction up a game. Uh, I thought they'd be nine and eight, and then I said ten and seven. And sure enough, they got there. It was just an extremely circuitous route to how they got there. Uh, it was a very strange way yeah. to get to where I thought they would be, because when you think of it, and this speaks on a broader tone and a bigger picture to the whole they've never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin thing, but you know you'd play the entire season to eliminate 16 teams out of 32, right? I mean, 14 teams make the playoffs. And right. I think it's something like two-thirds of the league finished with nine wins or more. So, you know, it's it's not exactly difficult to be 500 in the NFL. Um, that's what the NFL is. That's what the NFL is built for. That's how the NFL wants things to be. So the Steelers are very representative of what the National Football League is striving for. They were just a little bit better than that. And granted, it was under some circumstances that saw a lot of adversity. The quarterback situation brought them adversity. The inside linebacker situation brought them adversity. The safeties brought them adversity. But to talk specifically about Pickett and how things went there, yeah, he saw a lot of personal adversity. 
um, on the field personally for him is what I mean. Right. Um, he saw plenty of that, and I don't think he handled it great. You know, I, I not much of it he could do about it because of injury. But, you know, when he got put to the bench and uh, was kind of grumbly with the media when they asked him if he had learned anything by watching, he said, no, there's a very easy way to answer that question, and that's not it, obviously. Right. Um, you know, the whole thing about the depth chart to me, everybody wanted to tamp that down. I think there was something to it. I think there must have been something about his demeanor that made the coaching staff feel like they wouldn't be comfortable if they made him lower on the depth chart. And that to me is a little bit of a red flag, but um, my hunch is right now, if you maybe guess, they will be going back to Kenny Pickett as their starting quarterback next year. If you maybe bet, I think it's about 60, 40. That'll be the case uh, whether that's with uh, Mason Rudolph, a drafty first rounder or your classic Jacoby Brissett journeyman backup quarterback type. Yeah. Joshua Dobbs put his name out there as well for another yeah. return to Pittsburgh, but so let's go back to Pickett and let's talk about him in particular. So you talked about off the field, but really the first time he had adversity on the field was this season where he wasn't turning the ball over, but he just wasn't able to make the plays, whether it was, you know, it depends on who you talk to. He wasn't reading the, the field well enough. It was the offensive coordinator. When you think back on 2023, where do you put the onus? Do you put the more onus more on the execution of said plays or the plays themselves? And let's talk about Matt Canada being dismissed in that same realm. Pretty difficult to differentiate between where the responsibility begins and ends for the quarterback and the offensive right. coordinator because, you know, I, I do think he had a lot pounded into his skull about the best thing possible is to end every possession without a turnover. And if there's points attached to that, it's gravy. Um, I think that was the wrong, wrong way of looking at things. And I think that he kind of got the tunnel vision they wanted him to have, which was take care of the ball first and everything else that comes afterwards is a bonus. And that's not the right way to play football in 2023, 24. So um, I, I don't know exactly how to split that, how to parse out the blame pie, but I do know that, you know, when Mason Rudolph was in there, I saw shots being taken that I constantly heard and saw in cutups that were available that Pickett just didn't try. Or when Trubisky was in there, uh, he just had a bad feel as to when to try them and when to not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Rudolph took some of those shots that were calculated and a little bit risky, but not completely pushing the envelope. I don't think Pickett took him at all, basically. And when Trubisky did take him, it was the wrong time, and then there were times where he swallowed the ball and didn't take risks that really bit them. So he was in between, and that's probably why he's going to be without a job next year. Rudolph took the shots that were there. That's probably why he's getting a better job than what he had this year, whether that's in Pittsburgh or somewhere else. And Pickett just didn't take them, but they have a lot invested in him. I, I think whatever coordinator comes in to run the Steelers next will hopefully be one that they think melds with his skill set, whatever that skill set is. And then they'll just find a capable backup or a, a guy to challenge him a bit that they could put in midseason and maybe be a younger version of him, a second, third round draft choice uh, that could be the guy next year if they decide not to give Pickett the fifth year option. Let's stick with the offensive coordinator talk. And let me ask you, because obviously the search is ongoing uh, right before we hit record on this. Uh, Arthur Smith, former Atlanta Falcons head coach. He is reportedly from Tom Pelissero, the NFL Network, coming into Pittsburgh for an interview for the head coaching job. Uh, nonetheless, do you think the Steelers' offensive coordinator job is an attractive job? No, I don't. I think there are 
other jobs out there with either a better quarterback in place or a quarterback to be determined where you don't have to try to justify a previous offensive coordinator's thumbs up on a guy, you know, a guy that a previous offensive coordinator is working on that probably will have another year or two invested in them from the franchise. And you're also working under a head coach that likes to be very hands-on, very much out in front, very much an authoritative voice throughout the building uh, that hasn't had a lot of offensive success for a myriad of reasons for a myriad number of years. I don't think it's a very attractive job. No. And I think you got issues along the offensive line and minimal weapons at wide receiver. So, yeah, I think there are better gigs out there. I mean, I think a classic example of that is we heard well in advance of uh, Zach Robinson's taking the job in Atlanta that the Steelers were interested. That's very easy for him to jump at that position if he wants to, and he didn't. Didn't even interview. He didn't right. even get in for an interview, not even a virtual interview. Like, I know that they asked possible. for permission, but they to go to what, Atlanta with Raheem Morris? Like, that's... And it's not like it, not it's not like Atlanta has. I mean, they have the eighth overall draft pick, but it's not like they right. have some budding superstar. But, but to that Ritter. point, yeah. they don't have enough invested in anybody else that they just can't go out and get a guy that might be better. And as an offensive coordinator, you can't lobby to go out and get a guy who yeah. might be better. Whereas you know, probably walking into the Steelers, you're going to either have to a work with Kenny Pickett, b work with Mason Rudolph, c work with a guy who's not as good as either of them by the middle of next season. Or you're working with a draft choice who I bet is not a first rounder, or at the very least, if he is a first rounder, is the fourth or fifth quarterback that's taken off the board this year. So, you know, big scheme, big picture yeah. things. If I'm an offensive coordinator, plus you're working in a division that had every other team finish 500 or better versus going to work in the NFC South or the AFC South somewhere. I mean, that's, that's tough sledding. Um, and for a coach, and in a division that tends to always gravitate back towards 17-16 games, um, in a market that loves to blame the offensive coordinator for everything, because <laughs> they don't like they feel uncomfortable blaming the pit quarterback, and they feel uncomfortable blaming the coach that's never had a losing season for 17 years. So the offensive coordinator takes all the heat. It's just it's a very unattractive job all around, and you even might even sprinkle in the fact that the Steelers don't exactly have a reputation for paying great for their assistant yeah. coaches. There's that too. Let's not forget that. Got to love the optimism, Tim. Appreciate it. <laughs> but still, I want to ask a question about well, like if it is Arthur yeah. Smith, if it is Arthur Which, Smith, this has to me, the Steelers hiring Arthur Smith is just such a Steelers move. And maybe it's just me. Like, it just screams. It, guy was fired, not viewed well amongst league circles can be grouchy. Like, gosh, this is just screaming. Steelers are going to bring this yeah. guy. He's not going to give anything to the media. Um, he's, you know, <laughs> not exactly the most sunshine and roses guy to talk no. to. Um, he's going to want to run the ball. Hey, he worked with Derrick Henry. He can work with Najee Harris. Yeah. You know, the theory is now maybe that they um, pair him with a Jared Johnson, basically make him, or Gerard Johnson, excuse me, make yeah. him the passing game coordinator. That they've kind of done that now the last, the last time through. They had co-offensive coordinators. This could be another iteration of that. Yeah. Passing game coordinators take running game coordinator. These subsects of what an offensive coordinator is that's more in vogue now. Okay, I guess I can see it, but you know, I, I think to your point um, and, and the point I was going to make, like I'm not trying to be pessimistic on it. I'm just I'm painting a real picture oh, yeah. of no, I totally get it. What why mean, they are where they are. You know, I I, I could yeah blow sunshine and say that 
Kyle Shanahan's going to, um, or what's, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Clint Kubiak is going to wait it out and be the guy. That's who I want. I mean, that's, that's the guy who I would want, a young, innovative guy that um, can bring new thoughts, especially to the passing game and a new way of looking at the running game even. I just, I don't have the, I don't have the belief that that's going to happen. I feel like an Arthur Smith guy is very much more like what they're looking at. Arthur Smith, they're going to sign Ryan Tannehill. It's going to be like, let's just duplicate 2019's Tennessee Titans offense minus Derrick Henry. We'll just have Najee Harris. Let's, let's move on, though. Najee Harris is kind of someone I wanted to bring up here. For the first time, in my opinion, since the social media era really began, it felt like the locker room might have been lost at several different points throughout the season. At least it was being questioned. Let me put it that way. Mike Tomlin is, you know, he's a player's coach. He does have a good finger on the pulse of what's going on. What is your take on just the overall culture of the Steelers? Because everyone says the Steelers way, the Steelers way is just winning and they're not winning, at least when it matters. So my question is, what is your take? You're in the locker room. You're talking to these players. You're talking to the coaches. What is your take on the culture that is the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into 2024? And you're tying this back to what Najee said at the end of the season. It's it's Najee Harris in a lot of ways. It's what he said about how they need to tighten things up. It's you know refusing to talk to the media for the vast majority of the season at times. It's George Pickens and his issues. It's Deontay Johnson and his comments at time to time. And there are times where it feels like are the inmates running an asylum? I hate using that analogy, but you understand what I'm saying. What's your take on that culture in the locker room? Well, you, you kind of went out of your way to define the Steeler way, right? And, and what that is and how people perceive it versus what the reality is. So when I hear lose the locker room, that to me connotes dissent. And uh, I would argue that this wasn't the first time since, uh, would you say since 2019 is the, the first time in the social media era? Yeah. I'm trying to think when that would have been. See, what, like what I, I think it was been. chaos. It was chaos in 2017 and 18. It was something new every yeah. year. I mean, like, or every week, excuse me, you go, you go back to that. What was it? The 2017 season with the Anthem thing in Chicago starting week three. Yep. And then there was bells hold out and then raiding his locker and stealing his shoes. And, <laughs> You know, I forgot about that. All, all that's <laughs> boiling over to Antonio Brown at the end of the year in 2018 and everything that AB would do in between, you know, throwing Gatorade buckets in Baltimore and getting in Landry Jones's face in the sideline, you know, all this stuff. Like there was that all the time. So I feel like this has been a, a very roller coaster vibe to the locker room for many years now. But like when I hear losing the locker room, that to me feels like, dissent within the locker room, sex within the locker room. They're not unified behind the coach. The Steelers have always had this strange thing where they've remained unified behind Tomlin, but they just don't necessarily listen to the message. You know, like I think what Najee Harris's point was is that the message isn't getting there because it's not translating in practice habits or it's not translating in terms of attention to detail once the game starts or in between practice and when the game starts so that they can perform well when the whistle is blown and the ball is kicked off. But it's not like, you know, you, you can you can see all this stuff that's going on with how Le'Veon Bell is handling his holdout or, you know, the flags that Antonio Brown would draw for sliding down the goalpost or him yapping on the sidelines when he wasn't getting the ball enough, according to him, or, you know, how, how Pickens was not blocking or – all these other things that we have red flagged as problems with the Steelers in terms of their culture, it rarely blows back to any of them saying, we don't think Mike's in charge. 
We don't think Tomlin, yeah. they, they always sort of default away from blaming Tomlin for any of it. It's, it's, it's a weird thing in that when you have locker rooms that are like that, it usually comes down to at least part of the team saying the coach doesn't have this part of the locker room and here's why. Like, but but nobody seems to ever want to put that at Tomlin's feet. It's strange. So, yeah, I tend to agree that the locker room's messy. The, the locker room has been messy for years. But it doesn't seem to be because they're revolting against the coach. So, you know, it, it's it's a weird thing. And people always kind of tie this into analysis of Tomlin. Like, this always comes back to, well, Mike Tomlin, he always gets the ship back to port. Oh, he does. He was also at the helm when it hit the iceberg and they were two and six last year or when they lost for three weeks in a row to non-playoff teams and put themselves on the verge of playoff elimination. So when they get these bad ruts and they have one every year, what do they have? A losing streak of three games or more every year for the past five or six, I think. Like if you go back to 2019, I think, or maybe even sounds about right. They've had a five game losing, excuse me, a three game losing streak in each of those seasons that put them in a really bad spot when it's come to playoff situations. When things always get bumpy, we point to all this stuff like so and so is yapping about the quarterback. So and so is upset because uh, they're not getting the ball enough. So and so is upset about playing time. James Harrison's falling asleep in a Barca lounger. Uh, Melvin Ingram wants out and doesn't want to play anymore, and is essentially quit on the team. Like we we always get these side stories, but you ask the players about it. Does Tomlin have control of the locker room? Even the offending people who are upset and complaining never say that Tomlin doesn't have control of the locker room. So I've never seen it. It's very unique to Pittsburgh. That is such a a weird dynamic. Like when you lay it out the way you just did. And all this crap that's been happening in the locker room for all these years. And it, it's it's odd. Like when you think about it, like it really doesn't someone try to connect the dots and it's almost impossible. Well, that even is, even even Najee, like look at Najee. You brought up him as sort of the, yeah. the, the launch point for this whole conversation. Najee was a guy who um when we asked him about finding the rudder of the team after their three-game losing streak. He just barfed praise on Mike Tomlin about what a great job he did of keeping everybody on the same page. And, you know, when things are bad, nobody gave up because Coach Tomlin was there. Like, he couldn't have given him enough credit. And then, you know, they managed to make the playoffs. They hang with Buffalo for, for three quarters. And on locker cleanout day, he says, we got to tighten things up around here. <laughs> like, you know, there's this cognitive dissonance, this, this intellectual inconsistency that always exists between – What's wrong with the Steelers locker room vibe and it ever coming back to Tomlin? And I I don't know, at some point or another, that needs to be reconciled. Either we need to reconcile it and say some of it's Tomlin's fault, or it's just not that big of a deal. And the issues are just more about them beating the Cardinals when they need to. That would certainly absolve a lot of things if they would just not lose to two two win teams in a five day span. <laughs> you know, think about that. I mean, if they don't, lo- if they only win, if they win one of those two games, it's a completely different narrative, and they're in a different position heading into the stretch. But let's talk about Tomlin. The extension's coming. You agree? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You think it's just your stock two year extension, or do you think there's yeah. going to be more? To uh, it? Um, it's a good question. I don't think it needs to be. I think they've proven it doesn't need to be. I mean, they even took it one year deeper than they normally did already. So um, I don't think it needs to be. I mean, the the extension talk to me, it's Art Rooney's money. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just, you know, you can fire a coach at any time. There's no repercussions. It's just are you paying him a little bit more to do it. 
So I, I never get bent out of shape about a coach extension. I, it's just, it's a paper move. So the only thing it does do is it probably gives an offensive coordinator for them. It gives them a little bit more security in their realm for whatever they sign on for, you know, um, feeling like a coach just isn't going to get up and go. Like if, if Tomlin took it to the point of it, it was one year and done, I'm sure that would send out signals of concern for anybody who would take that job. Like, Oh, that's different. They've never done that in Pittsburgh before. So even if I do an okay job and he leaves, a new guy might come in and blow me out. Like I, I think putting an extension on paper, is as much for operational flow when it comes to coaching staff um, consistency and coaching staff building or rebuilding in this case. That's the biggest angle. That's the biggest reason to give them an extension. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's talk about, we talked, we started this whole conversation about reaction, reacting to adversity. I would say there was a lot of that in 2023 in off season. Omar Khan's got a full calendar year under his belt. Andy Weidel's there. Obviously we know Art Rooney's involved. So is Mike Tomlin. What do you think the reaction will be for the Steelers entering 2024 based on what they saw in 2023? I'll give you an example. I think it's it's almost a foregone conclusion that center will be addressed because Mason Cole did not play well this year. I know he has one year left on his contract, but nonetheless, it just seems like they're going to probably identify that as a position that needs a huge upgrade. Outside of the coaching staff, we're talking about the roster. Where do you see them having some, okay, we need to address this what are some of your like priorities heading into this offseason? Yeah, um, well, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball since we started there. I don't think they view tackle as as much of a concern as a lot of other people do. Like, they love I, Dan I Moore. They love they, Dan Moore. They do love Dan Moore, and they don't. I think they don't feel the need to put Broderick Jones over on the left side like a lot of people do. Um, I wrote about it at Trib Live. Broderick Jones said that uh, going to the left side is still his um, – preferred spot um he still thinks he's he's capable of being better at left than he is at right but he didn't blow any smoke about it. he wasn't fanning any flames if they want me at right i'll stay at right you know like he just he said the right thing that a rookie would say ostensibly yeah. so um i think a lot of other people disagree with that and say put the rookie first round draft choice at his position of choice and then just find the right tackle and tomlin's on record as saying that Moore's a lot better at left than he is at right i don't know why um <laughs> But, you know, they w one thing they could do is if they think Moore can handle guard, they can move one of the guards to center. Uh, they can move Ciamalo, more likely Daniels, to center and then find another guard and put Jones at left and find themselves – I guess they don't have to find another guard. They could put Moore at guard and then uh, find themselves a different right tackle. They could do that. Yeah. But I don't think they feel that that's that big of a deal. Um, they should feel, and I think they do, um, that they need another wide receiver. Yeah. You know, I, I think not only for this year, but next. Um, so I think they will address wide receiver somewhere early in the draft or free agency, more likely the draft. Uh, and I think I, I do, they know the quarterback is going to be a need uh, yeah. just to what end. I don't know. Like we've talked about some of the permutations already on the defensive side of the ball. For sure, uh, based on what Tomlin said at his season-ending press conference, he was pretty transparent about the injury concerns for Holcomb and Quan Alexander. Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm very much in lockstep with the way he described the inside linebacker situation, which was they felt pretty good about the production they were getting when they had all three on the field at the same time, but that quickly stopped being the case. And the guys who were injured have a reputation for being injured, like they – that's a component of what, why they were on, 
the open market to begin with, why they were free agents to begin with. Right. And the Steelers took a chance on those guys. And it certainly sounds like Cole Holcomb still has a ways to go health-wise to get back to where he was. So I, I think inside linebackers, again, a priority. I think defensive line is a priority because they know Cam Hayward's getting along in years and maybe the Ogan Joby contract isn't the greatest. Uh, Benton is developing, but you need more. You need more people. Yeah. You need more bodies. And uh, I would also think that they could do well by themselves to get themselves another safety in another corner. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff, which is another reason why I don't think that they draft. Like I, I'm moving away from the first or second round quarterback. Like if you get a first round quarterback, it's to replace Kenny Pickett, right? Which I don't think they're going to do. Second round quarterback, okay. You know, maybe if some of those guys slide, um, and you're tempted, I could see it. But like we said. My guess is they'll address offensive line moderately in free agency like they've done in the past with Daniels and Ciamalu and Cole. Like, they'll get a guy like that. Yeah. Uh, probably maybe a directly a center, or like we said, somebody who can move one of the other right. guards to center through whatever permutation they decide to take. Um, they'll go middle of the road and get themselves inside linebacker numbers like they did last year, maybe just different bodies. Um I, I don't know what they think about Pat Pete at safety. Uh, I hope they think that they can find themselves another corner. But um, those, I, I think, are the, the biggest needs. It's just what my, my guess is that they would go inside linebacker, offensive line, more so in free agency, and then go draft worthy at safety corner and wide receiver. Shoot. If I were the Steelers, I'd, I'd pay cheap money to get Terrell Edmonds back and get Minka Fitzpatrick playing where he used to play and not in the box because that has not been successful for the Steelers. And if you want your all pro to be an all pro, let him do what he does best. He had an injury plague season. I get all that. But I think what we see here is when you, you go over these team need lists, which I've created myself, everyone has as long That's a lengthy list. People that yeah. think this team is one player away. I can't get on board with that. I don't care if you get Kirk cousins, or if you get the the next iteration of Ben Roethlisberger, young Ben Roethlisberger in the in the room, I don't think that's going to really move the needle to a championship caliber team right away. There's a lot that they have to do here, and I'm not sure if one offseason is going to be enough. So let me finish this up with a tough question for you, Tim. You cover, and this is for the Pittsburgh sports fans out there. Which Pittsburgh sports team do you think wins a championship next? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's a tough question because I feel that like they're all pretty question. far away. It's not going to be the Pirates because they're the Pirates. Right. Um, I take it that we're not going too far abroad with college sports here. No, we're sticking the, to the pros here. The we're three sticking pro to the sports pros. teams. Yeah. Um, if they find a if you can find a quarterback, it's easiest to win in football between football and hockey. I think. Um, you got to find a real dynamic superstar for it to be just one guy. Like even the Penguins didn't find one dynamic superstar. They found two. Yeah. Um, and even when they won cups in the nineties, they had two, they had Yager and Lemieux, uh, plus some other great hall of famers around them. But I feel like, especially as we've looked at what Mahomes has continued to do with the chiefs is that roster has gotten thinner. What Allen has been able to do as that roster on offense has either been injury-addled or gotten thinner. Because the game has moved so much towards the quarterback, 
if you can get a quarterback first, you've got the best chance. It's the most singularly reliant sport for as much as it's the ultimate team sport because there's 11 guys in the field at the same time. The other 20 rely on that. The other 21 rely on that one a ton. Yeah. So it's just easier to win if you get the quarterback. You just got to get the quarterback. So, you know, like <laughs> I, Steelers, you I'll go, Steelers? I'll go with the Steelers probably. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's well, a lot about they, the they're also, but, well, I guess so, but they've also made the playoffs. They just made the playoffs and the Penguins just didn't. And right now it's not looking like they are. Now they could, they could, and they, they probably still have the best roster of the three teams. I think that, yeah, the Penguins, the Penguins are probably close est right now, but they're just not playing like it. And playing like crap. <laughs> and they're going in the wrong direction. You know, like <laughs> they're going to probably lose Jake Gensel, who's their second best player, you know, either via free agency or trade. Um, and then where do you go from there as the guys that you have invested in are now depreciating assets? They're all depreciating assets, except for Crosby, who continues to play at a remarkable level, even with his age. Yeah. But um, he's, in, he's insane. That pass against the Canadians oh, was out, out of this crazy. <laughs> but he can't he can't bring the other 19 guys per night along in his back the same way one quarterback can bring along the other 21. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I've always called the quarterback position the most important position in professional sports. And yes, one player can transcend and, and elevate everyone else, but it's going to be difficult. We'll see. Tim, I do thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and plug your social media and as well as what's coming up with your uh, Trib Live stuff? Yeah, at Tim Benz PGH, you can find me on X there, and uh, you can find our Breakfast with Benz podcasts at the Fans First Network and daily on the Breakfast with Benz page at Trib Live. They'll be refreshed every day. We put something up new Monday through Friday a couple times per week. You know, we might have four in one day and two on the other and one on one day, but we, we generally get up six or seven different podcasts per week with various guests on various topics. And you can read me daily at Trib Live, and you can check out the Madden Benz Unfiltered podcast with Mark Madden. It's a live stream, actually, 9.30 a.m. on Mondays on the Trib Live Facebook stream. Always fun, Tim. And, Thank and, you and Robert Morris oh, Hockey oh, and Duquesne basketball, too. If you're a fan of Robert Morris of Hockey and Duquesne basketball, I'll be in the call a lot of those games. I've got looking at the calendar right now. I've got one hockey game coming up against Mercyhurst for Robert Morris and a game against Duquesne coming up this week. So uh, check those out as well. Absolutely. Tim, thanks for your time. I do appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. And a big thank you to Tim Benz for taking the time. He's a busy man. You heard all those credentials at the end, all the stuff he's doing. He doesn't have a lot of time, but he took the time to be with me on this Monday morning podcast as a, for the Ride or Die crew. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I know I did. I always enjoy talking with Tim. But I do want to remind everyone out there listening, don't forget about the mailbag tweet on Tuesday morning. I will ask the question, you respond, and I will answer that live on the air on Wednesday. So make sure you check that out, and make sure you check out all of our content, both at SteelCurtainNetwork.com as well as Steel Curtain Network podcast platform. If you're listening to this, you probably found us anyways. But in case you haven't, go check us out on all platforms. Go to the YouTube channel. Hey, we're close to 10,000 subscribers, folks. We are 9,925, I think. We are only 75 subscribers away from 10,000. Help us out. Tell a friend. I've said it before. It's, this is an organic grassroots movement. Let's do this thing. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or X, whatever you're calling it these days. Whatever. Enjoy it. 
And you can find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. That does it for me. You know how we finish all these podcasts. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great start to your week, and I'll see you on Wednesday.